You're listening to Special Programming, sponsored by Making Moves Life Coaching Services. The content of Veterans Affairs Plus does not reflect the views or opinions of Public Radio KUNV, the University of Nevada, Las Vegas, or the Board of Regents of the Nevada System of Higher Education. Good morning, Las Vegas. This is Dave Washington, Making Moves Life Coaching Services. I am the host of Veterans Affairs Plus. We got two great guests this Saturday, and you know, it's the fact that uh, we had the Senator uh, Pat Spearman on uh, last month's show, and I didn't think she had adequate time to really go into a little bit more detail of the various bills that she has sponsored for us veterans. So, uh, Senator, how you doing? I'm good. How are you doing? I am doing well. Give me just one good. quick moment. I want to very quickly uh, express con- acknowledgments and condolences to the Williams and Step family. We lost a great uh, educator in our community, Miss Dorothy Dot Step, who was a neighbor of me and Marsh's for many, many years. So, again, just want to express condolences to that family. Senator, talk to us. Tell us about those wonderful things you did during this past session. Well, uh, thank you, Anne. As as you well know, nothing happens in isolation, so I, we had a really good team up there working hard to try to make some things happen. Uh, one of the things I'd like for especially the National Guard uh, members to look into, and that is we, uh, we voted for a tax-free weekend mm-hmm. for uh, Guard personnel, Guard personnel uh, right around the time of, well, right around now, mm-hmm. uh, with school starting. And that was, um, that was in appreciation for all that they've done. What a lot of people don't, don't know is that not only do the members of the National Guard, uh, are they deployed overseas, but uh, during the early part of this year, Mm-hmm. They were also deployed to various sundry places around the state to make sure that, number one, uh, if there was testing that had to, to take place, uh, that they were there, and they were also there helping to administer vaccines. So I uh, just want to give a shout-out to all the members of the uh, Nevada National Guard. That's Army, that's Navy, that's Air Force, that's everybody. So uh, make sure, and your command should have that information, and it should probably already be uh, disseminated. Uh, right. The next bill that I want to lift up is uh, one, excuse me, regarding uh, HOAs. Mm-hmm. Uh, for some people, it, it really has been disconcerting because they can have their um, they have their their mortgage paid, but they are in jeopardy of um, of losing their home, and because they couldn't pay their HOA fee. Right. Uh, we had a bill that was going to move that from the non-judicial to the judicial process, which would have given homeowners another layer um, of um, protection. Uh, that didn't go anywhere, but we were able to um, get some things happening in another arena. And I learned um, last week that the Department of Real Estate was mm-hmm. able to secure some funds so oh, people who are behind in their HOA dues and maybe in jeopardy of losing their home because of it, should contact the Department of uh, Real Estate and make your case so that uh, you don't have to lose your home. Um, another bill that I'd like to lift up is one that, um, and, and, and veterans, those who, especially those who have not retired yet, mm-hmm. uh, as, as a retiree, I have access to, to VA health care. Right. Uh, but we have some who did one tour or one enlistment and uh, decided that that wasn't what they wanted to do. And so uh, health care is always 
problem. Right. So Senate Bill 341, Senate Bill 341 is a bill that I carried, and this is the bill that is um, uh, has had an opportunity to radically change the Office of Minority Health and Equity. Uh, number one, it, it, it provides for a, um, a separate account in the state budget for uh, minority health uh, care and equity. Mm. And that office is run by Tina Dorch, and she is a sharp person. I'm, I just I cannot <laughs> stop seeing the praises because she has done more at, with, with just one person. You right. know, she doesn't have any help, it's just her. Right. But she does a lot. And so we'll now have a, um, a budget where uh, Office of Minority Health and Equity can not only apply for grants, but people can make deposits in there. And we're also eligible to um, receive some of the monies that are coming into the state uh, as a result of the opioid settlement. Mm, great. That's going to be huge. It's going to mm-hmm. be huge because, as you know, a lot of communities uh, were hit very hard uh, with the opioid pandemic again right uh, and that was the, and and many people don't know that because uh, folks who who are addicted to painkillers many times suffer in silence right that's true but their families are suffering and they are suffering mm-hmm. so <clears throat> with with the way that we've revamped the health the opportunity for uh, minority health and equity to expand to touch all communities that's going to be huge so i'm going to i'm going to invite veterans if you don't have health care uh if you're in between jobs or if you're looking for another job please 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 make sure that you contact uh tina dorch and find out what some of your options may be so senator you're saying that some of those funds will go into that budget these dollars yes. that'll come in yes. from the federal yes. government yes. Oh, uh-huh. yes very yes. good yes, yes they will Right. Um, specifically what, what 341 did, um, it, in addition to the financial account, um, the governor's um, bill to have a state public health officer, uh, inside that bill is also a position for a researcher. And that researcher will be uh, in the Office of Minority Health and Equity. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's very important because we have to know, as policymakers, it, it's uh, research that drives our policies, or at least should drive our policies. Right. And there are a number of things that we in um, black, brown, and BIPOC communities, a number of things that we know because we suffer from them. I don't right. know I don't know of anyone that hasn't had someone either right now or uh, previously in their fa- family that hasn't suffered from high blood pressure. True. Um, I don't know of anyone who right now or previously hasn't had a family member suffered from diabetes or heart disease, yes. um, or asthma, uh, and those are comorbidities for, for the uh, COVID, um, uh, both the alpha and the delta variant, Right. Uh, and so, so that makes us more susceptible to uh, not just disease, but mm-hmm. as I commonly say, dis-ease, <laughs> uh, and it is that way because uh, a lot of people don't, have not put stock into our communities, looking at what's going on, why, is this a problem right. that is genetic, or is this something that we can actually resolve? And, and as the research uh, becomes more prevalent, we're noticing that it is something, there, there may be some, some genetics involved, but by and large, many of these comorbidities are a direct result of the fact that we do not have access to the type of foods that are nutritious in value and mm. not, um, you know, empty nutritional heavy calorie 
uh, foods. Right. So uh, there's another bill that uh, that I was really glad to get across the finish line, and I have to give um, a lot of praise to uh, some of the folks in the community. I'm going to start calling names, but I know I'm going <laughs> to miss somebody. But please, if I miss your name, charge it to my head and not my heart. Right. Uh, we had Roz, who has the uh, urban, who has uh, urban roots. Uh, she was very helpful in trying to get that done. Tamika Henry, very helpful in trying to get that done. We also had Make It Work uh, helping to get that done. Quentin Savoir uh, helping to get that done. So many other people and nutritionists, the, the State Board of Nutritionists, were helpful. There were some people in the medical field that were helpful. What the urban, uh, what the community gardens and urban farms bill will do mm-hmm. is it will allow communities uh, to access vacant land. Mm-hmm. And we know all over our communities there's vacant lands. There's nothing going on there right. except bottle caps and <laughs> cigarette butts and you know and glass. Right. Well, right. if this if this land belongs to the to the city, to the county, or the state, or whatever, we mm-hmm. have an opportunity now to um, ask for that land to be donated to the community. Senator, what what bill is that? I'm sorry for breaking you off, but what? what? Yeah, that's okay. Senate Bill 297. And and so what, what this bill does is, in addition to public lands like city, county, or state lands, um, if you are a landowner and you have um, uh, vacant land that is close to community that is wanting to have community gardens, the bill stipulates, number one, if you're going to donate that land, it has to be for a minimum of five years. Mm. Five years. Mm-hmm. And we're not going to, you don't donate the land and get an immediate abatement, tax abatement, right. um, because we all know a lot of times what happens is, you know, we get promised the moon and barely, barely get above a tree stump. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so the land is donated for a minimum of five years. Uh, sometimes during the fourth year, if you have met your goals, then that next year you can receive um, uh, a, a, a tax abatement. Uh, mm-hmm. There's also stipulations in the bill that it's not... It's not for someone who wants to just parachute in to the community and make money. Mm -hmm. No, this is something that is conceived by the community, is dictated by the community. The community decides what they're going to grow, how much of it they're going to grow. They're going to give away Mm -hmm. uh, what the requirements are that the the community decides all of that. And and, uh, when you start talking about um, uh, economic development, Mm -hmm. those persons who are helping to uh, kill the land, grow the um, the vegetables or the fruits or whatever it is. Right. Uh, those pe- those persons have got to come from the community. Great. That's so a- so it is it is nutrition and it is economic development uh, together. The urban farms uh, piece uh, provides us an opportunity to use things like big box stores mm-hmm. and also um, uh, acre acreages of land. Uh, where we can we can go and and grow and have an opportunity to have a um, fresh roots and vegetables farmers market mm. uh, or something of that nature and the proceeds all of the proceeds from that go right back into the community. So, Senator, so is is there is there a, yeah. a, an education arm to to that for say for young people? Because I, I you know I, I did a little something in my backyard that I haven't completed yet, but I certainly want my young grandchildren in particular, to learn how to grow something, you know? Sure, sure. Uh, so um, the other person, I'm glad you asked that question, gives me a chance to uh, mention University of Adorino, Dr. Um, uh, Ivy Lau, mm-hmm. uh, who's with the Extension, uh, UNR Extension. He was helpful as well in getting that established, and we're working together with him now uh, to try to develop 
um, all of these things around growing, growth, agriculture, et cetera, that will be needed so that these will be, uh, so that it will be successful. Uh, some of the, some of the regulations and the, and the promulgation of those regulations have not uh, been completed yet, mm-hmm. but certainly if someone wants to get more information, please, please, please contact UNR uh, Extension, Dr. Lau, and I'm sure that he will be more than glad mm-hmm. to give you some more information. And if you've got, um, Mr. Washington, if you've got a land that you are currently um, tilling and wanting to, uh, to go into agriculture, some type of agribusiness or uh, nutrition, please, 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 please give him a call as well. Uh, we want, want to make sure that more people understand and know about this. And you know what? A, a lot of people, a lot of our land uh, in, in the black community, a lot of that was lost when uh, many people left the South and moved north. True. And didn't want any part of, of quote, farming. Right. And so, uh, you know, so many of us walked away from 10, 12, 20, even 100 acres because it was like, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to have a farm. <laughs> well, right. now, if we had that farm uh, land, it would be worth probably hundreds of thousands. You know what? And to, to, to that point, uh, your former colleague, my wife, Marsha, her family is uh, in a little bit of a battle on some family uh uh, land that can't be sold, but yet mm-hmm. they, it's being leased, and they—they—they—the it's ridiculous what they're the family is being paid, and they're in the process of rene- renegotiating that. But you're right, young people just don't want to get into farming, and I can tell you that food is <laughs> is our life. We got to have some food, mm-hmm. and for us to yeah. to not be involved in it is is shameful. But I understand it is something that. Hopefully, with this particular program, and would you please, Senator, later on? I know you're busy and jumping. But would you uh, send me, text me that gentleman's name and number, please? Because I want to make sure that we follow up and get others to follow up as well. And appreciate well, you I'm doing this. I'm going to give it to you now. It's okay. Dr. Ivory Lyles, and he is the director of Cooperative Extensions. Okay. At UNR. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and please please give him a call. I'm looking for uh, we're we're looking right now to probably do some. Um, uh, well, we will we will be partnering to do some things that are a little bit bigger than just the urban farms and the community gardens, uh, but it will be complementary. Okay, um, To that, and and this is this is an opportunity. There there's money out there for for urban agriculture. Mm-hmm. We just have to access it, and um, it is my hope that doing it this way. Uh, we can do some of that. Uh, and as I said before, at the, at the very beginning, um, Roz with uh, Urban Roots, she has been phenomenal. Um, mm. A lot of people, that's that's probably one of, of the, that's a, that's a secret, but it shouldn't be a secret, if right. you will. More people should know about it, and, and she should get a lot more um, uh, accolades for, for hanging on to that for 10 years, because Absolutely. now we'll, we'll be able to use what she has done and what she has learned right. uh, to um, to help others. Let, let me say this one last thing. Sure. Uh, she she recently completed a um, a study with one of the uh, major insurance, <clears throat> excuse me, health insurance companies mm-hmm. uh, with a hundred women, and uh, it was about nutrition and diabetes. Wow. Uh, at the end of the study, out of the hundred women, thirty five were fully had fully moved away from type two diabetes. Oh, wonderful! And were off of their medication. Excellent. And, yeah, and and then there were several others who were on uh, right there on the cusp of uh, being diabetes free, mm. and uh, and then being able to say, "I can stop my medication without 
um, any type of adverse affection, so, right. uh, adverse reaction. So, so we know that that if we doing this correctly, mm-hmm. this will be a game changer right. for us when we start talking about uh, health, health care, and mm-hmm. the things that we pass on to our children, grandchildren, and beyond. Excellent, Senator. As we wrap up, I want to thank you so much for coming back on because you made uh, more clear some of the things that you were able to had to rush over last time that we talked. And we're certainly going to get you again on this show if you're willing uh, after the first of the year to talk about other things that I know that your work is not complete and we appreciate the work that you do. So continue to serve and we appreciate your service as a service person. Now you're serving the community as one of our state legislators. So thank you, Senator, and you take care and stay safe. Thank you. Thank you. And I look forward to coming back again. Absolutely. And the Army, as we say, who are? All right. <laughs> Take care, Senator. Okay. Bye bye. All right. Bye bye. Once again, good morning. This is Dave Washington, Veterans Affairs Plus. We had a great uh, first segment with Senator Pat Spearman. She kind of gave us more information on several bills that she was able to get cleared through the legislature this session for that's going to be helpful to veterans. Now we have on the line a dear friend, a great businessman. He's the owner of Nevada Wellness Center, Mr. Frank Hawkins. How you doing, Frank? I'm wonderful, Chief. How you doing? I am doing well. I'm glad we was able to get your phone squared away because it was my intent to have you on last month and we had some phone problems. So, uh, Frank, would you tell us a little bit about about your business, how long you've been in and that type of thing? And you started out uh, with medical, as I recall. Sure. The the state of Nevada uh, put out applications to run medical marijuana dispensaries to grow marijuana flower and uh, licenses for manufacturing as well as delivery. So we applied originally in 2014 to have a dispensary. We applied for actually uh, two dispensaries. We were successful with the one dispensary in Las Vegas. We scored the highest score. Uh, We were the first uh, marijuana dispensary to open in the city of Las Vegas. So we're very proud of that. We opened in 2015, October, and uh, we went uh, recreational in 2017, July, Mm -hmm. I believe, and we've been operating ever since. What's uh, new and exciting is the new consumption lounges where people can go and smoke. Those should be coming online uh, in 2021. So we're gearing up for that. Uh, in our current uh, location at 3200 South Valley View. So, Frank, what is what is the hole up on the lounges? What it, what more hoops has to be dealt with to ensure that they that you're allowed to open up? So, uh, I encourage everybody to read Assembly Bill 341. But the uh, CCB, which is the Cannabis Compliance Board, who's in charge, who's the regulatory authority, is creating regulation for or that we will operate under. So Mm -hmm. when that uh, regulation is complete, 
then they will be accepting the application. Supposedly, uh, they're going to be having workshops uh, if they haven't already started. And uh, uh, applications can go in as early as October 1, from my understanding. Okay. So once that's done and they, I guess they have to clear you, And is there any type of training that, say, for example, because I'm assuming that someone from the staff has to be up in the lounge area as people are utilizing that space? Sure. So they, the, the CCB, Cannabis Compliance Board, Compliance Board will require that we train the employees. They'll be required to have background checks. And depending on what your use is or what you're going to do in your, in your consumption lounge uh, will greatly depend on the type of training that you need. Mm-hmm. So as of right now, there are really no holes barred as to what you can and can't do as it relates to the type of business you want to have in conjunction with those dispensaries that want to have a consumption lounge. So if you want to add on a nightclub or you want to have a little coffee shop next door, or if you want to incorporate, you know, just a smoking lounge with whatever you have, or you want to do jazz or Mm -hmm. blues or barbershop that the CCB is not putting any regulations on that thus far. Right. So, uh, you know, just let your mind wander. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't I don't want to give away any of your trade secrets, but I know that facility that you're currently in. It has some nice sized rooms up there. That's just me thinking out loud and not trying to get totally into your business. But I'm thinking pool tables and and different things that could be up there for someone who may want to have a smoke party. And, you know, they're shooting pool or, or watching games or whatever. So we, we already have our lounge designed, mm-hmm. and we're waiting on the regulation to catch up. Okay. The city of Las Vegas approved consumption lounges two years ago, mm. uh, and then the legislature uh, ended up uh, canceling um, that ability to open until now. Um, so uh, with the new regulation that's coming forth, uh, we, we will be waiting the approval. Our lounge is ready to go. So, yeah, we're waiting on them. So, so, so in terms of the overall regulation, so that regulation that, that you have to stay in compliance with is, is from the state, city, county, what? Or all the above? So we have, yeah, we have many masters, as I like <laughs> to say. So we have to serve the city of Las Vegas. Okay. They have different requirements mm-hmm. and regulations. Then you have to serve the CCB, Cannabis Compliance Board, that has regulation that you have to follow. And you have to follow, Metro has authorization and jurisdiction mm-hmm. in certain areas. So in order to get your card or be allowed to work in the industry, you got to pass that background check. There's a federal background check that you uh, have to go go through and be approved. Licenses are, as, as an employee, you have to relicense every two years. Hmm. So there there is a lot to it, but there is tons of opportunity. Uh, I tell people all the time, don't be discouraged because you don't have a dispensary. Right. 
This is going to be a trillion-dollar industry. Mm. It will overtake tobacco, alcohol. Don't let anybody discourage you. Your mind is a terrible thing to waste. Whatever you can conceive, you can make money in the marijuana Mm. because it's such a new industry that it has not been tapped. So what are you doing, or, or it, it, do you guys, and, and again, I'm, I'm just, Frank, I'm just coming off the top of my head right now, to be honest. Is there any group of, say, a group that may be doing some lobbying, and I'm talking about the lobbying for the purpose of ensuring that the federal, federal government will kind of get off their hands and, 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 and these uh, tight regulations, or, or not acting, if you will, on some things that to, to ensure that you guys can, can bank your money and all the other things, the restrictions that they currently have. Is there anything going on along those lines? And I'm saying from you owners as a group or someone that will be lobbying for you, or does that exist right now? And what do you think about that, if it doesn't? So, yeah, sure, it, it exists on different levels. Mm-hmm. So the, you know, the, the companies that are public have a whole different group of lobbyists than the advocates who are either advocating for patients or patients' rights mm-hmm. uh, and or the smaller businesses who might be dispensaries or maybe cultivators who are relying on their local influence to work its way through the local government up to the state government and hopefully through federal government. So the the one thing that I say that that needs to be corrected is 280E, and that is a a bill, a law that that Congress passed that does not allow for any write-offs in the marijuana business, mm-hmm. even though it's legal in the state. Right. It's still illegal federally, which mm-hmm. is a problem. Right. So. As far as those the big the big corporate types that's probably traded on the stock market, I'm talking about those other industry members. You're saying that they do have people lobbying at this point, uh, trying to get some of these regulations on, or, or or lack of acting by the by the feds. And I'm talking about the congressional people to uh, to move off the dam, if you will, to get some things done and allow you guys to to exist in a greater way, like other industries. That's correct, but but I, I don't want to be I want to be upfront and say everybody is not on the same page. Okay. So so <laughs> people are lobbying for different interests. Okay, gotcha. But but there are there are multiple lobbyists, but not everybody wants the same thing. Hmm. Inter- interesting. Well, as we get ready to wind down, I think we got another couple of minutes. Is there anything else you want to share with our listening audience? We're, we're, we're broadening our scope. And again, this is the, the plus side of, of, of our Veterans Affairs show, because I think there's things of interest that our, our public need to be aware of. And these regulations, I think some of them need to be kind of relaxed, if you will, while at the same time taking care of the needs of the people. And I'm talking about us. Well, public. I, I can just share about the veterans. Okay. Um, so they, they, they being the federal government, mm-hmm. has allowed those uh, veterans to be able to use marijuana for their PTSD. Okay. But they, but they are not allowing the current military to use marijuana for PTSD, which is wrong. You're saying, um, that, you're saying that someone that's in can't use it if it would help them. But if you're out as a veteran, correct. you've served and you're out, you can use it. That's correct. You right. know, and that's that's a flaw. It, that's bad government. 
Oh, no doubt. Because to me, if, if, if you need if you have a need for something, say, for example, you got be, you got high blood pressure, whether you're in or out of the military, I bet they prescribe something for you. Well, that's what they want to do, because that's the circle. They want to prescribe you the drugs. But I'm but I'm saying if you're in and they you're saying that say a, a person is in, you can't use you're active, active duty. You cannot use. <laughs> Okay then. All right. Well, that's interesting perspective on that, and and, and uh, it's good to know. And I, and I trust that we have a number of veterans out there listening. So, uh, some kind of way, uh, give a call, send a letter to your to your uh, congressional member, be Senate or or Congress, because I think it's important if you have something going on, and just because you're currently serving, and they won't let you use anything that's going to be helpful to you, it makes no sense to me. And that's me as a layman. That's correct. All right, Mr. Hawkins, we appreciate you, man, and I'm glad that you were, we were able to get you on because I think you shared some valuable information and one of the key things you said, and I know that you've mentored a lot of young businessmen in our community, and I know that they tr- certainly appreciate you and the work that you've done in that regard. And certainly, uh, he said, don't give up. There's more opportunity. That's right, and let, let me close by saying this. Nothing changes until we change. Got so it. if they blocked us, then we got to change that. We have to change who we are, what we're doing, how we're approaching it. And when we change, everything changes. Great. All right, Mr. Hawkins, we thank you, Frank. Appreciate your time, sir. Okay. All right, take you. care. Uh, once again, this is uh, Veterans Affairs Plus, And I want to encourage those out there, you veterans, to get a hold of Tony Marshall. He's a service officer, 301 5 Three seven nine four six five. Hope to be in front of you guys on the air. And thanks to Kevin, we'll be back next month. Thank you for listening to Veterans Affairs Plus. This is Dave Washington signing off. You've been listening to special programming sponsored by Making Moves Life Coaching Services. The content of Veterans Affairs Plus does not reflect the views or opinions of Public Radio KUNV, the University of Nevada, Las Vegas, or the Board of Regents of the Nevada System of Higher Education.